0: Michael Yo show welcome to the Michael yo show it is Michael yo we actually call this morning yo too because I started doing the podcast in the morning started putting it on Facebook and then it kind of took off from there so people just just love the vibe the positivity I'm putting out in the morning so it's a good thing happy Thanksgiving to everyone just please be safe So I'm not going to tell you what you should do, what you should not do, who you should hang out with. I'm just saying, be safe. That's all I'm saying. Just please be safe. I love bringing on friends during the morning, yo, because, um, you know, it's interesting to hear how other people are dealing with the pandemic, uh, especially from a comedy side. We're kind of strapped for cash we don't have jobs we can't travel the country but some people are making the most of it and that's why i wanted to get ahmed ahmed one of my great friends on the podcast what's up ahmed what's up brother how are you i'm great man i'm great <laughs> i'm alive i'm good uh it's thanksgiving uh, do you have big plans today what's your plans i
1: am gonna go spend it with my buddy his wife and his new ba- baby Okay. Yeah. What about you? What are you up to?
0: We're in Vegas now after I beat COVID. Yeah. After I beat COVID, I I had to get out of L.A. So I told my wife, let's just get out of here. Her parents live out here. We got a we rented a place like four or five houses down from them. And then I was I loved it so much. I was like, let's build a house out here. So now we're having a house built. So it's going to take like a year to get it done.
1: You know, you know, who moved out there? Brett Ernst moved out there. Uh, I know a couple comics moved out there. I was just out there last week, but I, I saw that your your you, uh, your parents didn't your dad just have a or your parents had an anniversary. I saw that you were celebrating and yeah, forty
0: cool dude. They're funny as fuck, dude. My parents, your
1: parents are cool as fuck, man.
0: They've been married forty seven years. I went home to Houston, Texas, because I didn't want to travel when everybody was traveling for Thanksgiving. Right. So I went out there, man. And it's weird, man. After I started stand up comedy, I'm going on my tenth year. I know you've been in the game. A lot longer but as soon as my dad saw me on stage for the first time it totally changed him it's almost like you know it did it's almost like he saw me and he goes oh i didn't know we could do that and uh, he came from me so i'm funny too and (laughs) after 10 years man my dad for the last 10 years he's been going dancing he loves cruises when they were safe he enters every contest he wins every contest. It's like a new life, and I don't know what caused it. They're on my podcast sometimes, and they're hilarious. But yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, but I, I don't understand. Like, it just he hit a switch after he saw me. He hit a switch, and he's just like the funniest dude now. You know, well, and you, so is my you mom. Like
1: you brought it out of him, I guess, man. You know, I guess one. so.
0: <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy if you think. Now your
1: your parents are adorable, man. It's fun to watch them on on your social media.
0: Yeah, man. They're they're great. They're great. So you're going to your friend's house uh for Thanksgiving, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna go up there and just uh it's just gonna be a chill day. I haven't really had like um you know, it's it's you have to be selective with who you're gonna hang out with and do they get tested and how long, you know, who's it's a it's a weird time right now in the world. You have to kinda really be careful. I mean you had it, you had the you had the, the Rona. Yeah um, So, I mean, you really got to, I mean, I mask up, but I try to surround myself around people that I know either got tested or we've been together for a while or it's weird because I'm doing these comedy shows in Venice beach, but I don't really interact physically with anybody and we require masks and we take temperatures at the door and it's distanced and, um, but I don't even really fist bump with people or elbow or none of that. I'm just like, hey, welcome to the show. Have a seat, you know.
0: Well, what I love about you, you're the ultimate hustler. I mean, you've been in Hollywood. <laughs> Seriously, you you have so many stories. You too, to, man. Hey, we're both hustling. We're, we're both trying to make it. But what I love about you is, you know, people know you in Hollywood. Um, they, they've seen you with uh, Vince Vaughn. You know they know you came up with Vince Vaughn and did that. What was the I name actually,
1: of that? I actually came up with him is how it worked.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you came up with him. Yeah. <laughs> so and then your story of Hollywood and we on my last podcast you talked about kind of like, you know, you got into some things with a couple comics, but you know it, it's one of those love hate things. Some people love you, some people hate you in the comedy business, in the, in Hollywood. You left. Thanks,
1: thanks, thanks Mike. I appreciate it. Well, I'm being you. honest. This is what you said me. last.
0: <laughs> this is what you said. I love you. This is what you I said the you last too, podcast. Man. This is what you said the last podcast. I'm just going okay. by that. But then oh. you left the country. Yeah. You did your thing out there. And now you're back during a pandemic. You decided to come oh. back during a pandemic. And now you got one of the hottest shows that's going on during a pandemic. What uh, led you to Venice Beach? what how'd you set this all up because i just saw bill bird did the show he sold oh, out like three yeah, nights yeah. so how'd this all come to play well
1: well first of all thank you and, and i think the same about you like you're all you're one of those comics that like you know i like comics who don't take sides you know and a lot of our business comics always want to take a side unless you have hard facts don't take a side just be down the middle and respect people as they you know, as they are. And and I think you've always been like that. I think also, too, our hustle comes from just being brown. You know, the, the brown in us. Like, we have to achieve and work a lot, you know, faster and harder than than the quote-unquote average comic because we just have more going against us. We also don't fit in the category like, is he black, is he white, is he Asian, is he Arab? Is, you know, we're in that. And I know you talk about that in your comedy act quite a bit. Um, so, so in that sense, you know, thank you. What happened was I got kind of fed up with LA to kind of piggyback on the last podcast we did. I moved to Asia for a couple of years. I lived in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I was producing comedy shows. I was technically a talent buyer and a content producer out there, but then I would bounce around Asia and do like these small comedy shows for expats and stuff. So I was still performing, but then working as a producer, you know, I was moonlighting basically. Uh, And then I felt like the comedy scene in Asia needed a little bit more growth. It just wasn't as evolved as I would have liked it uh, to have been. And so I
0: decided to. Now, when you say, when you say evolved, is that the talent wasn't there or the scene wasn't there or people haven't learned to like comedy out there? What does that exactly mean? Um, All three, all three. There, there are some very,
1: very talented guys uh, in Asia, I mean, off the top of my head, Jason Leong, who has a Netflix special out right now called Hashtag Blessed. Blessed. Um, he's super strong, smart comic, uh, ex-doctor. Um, he's Chinese Malaysian. Uh, ben Quinlan out of Hong Kong. He's like a financial analyst, but he's this tall, bald, handsome, like half Aussie, half Asian guy. One of the smartest, funniest fucking comics I've ever seen. Um, Resolve and Gazel out of Malaysia, who uh, owns a comedy club called the Crack House Comedy Club, where he let me perform every week, every night almost, and I built an hour of brand new material um, in there. Um, Andy Curtin, who's, half, who's Australian, speaks perfect uh, Cantonese and Mandarin, uh, has a comedy club in, in Hong Kong. I think it's called, uh, oh, fuck, what's it called? I can't even think. It'll come back to me. Um, but yeah, so there's a handful of like really great comics out there that I, I love and respect. So talent wise, they're out there. They're just, it's not large in numbers like it is in the US. Um, you know, audiences, I, you know, I, I, one of the reasons I, I left Malaysia was because I was banned over a joke that they found online that I told 13 years ago on my Access of Evil Comedy Central special about a mosque and a nightclub across the street from each other in Dubai Mm-hmm. Which is a, which is a true thing, and I talked about how Muslim it confuses Muslims. Allahu Akbar, and you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but I didn't even tell the joke. I haven't told it in years. But the, their keyboard warriors found it online, and I had four immigration officers come up and say, "You know, you can't perform in Malaysia anymore because it's a predominantly Muslim country." So I'm. They thought I was being blasphemous toward Islam. So to answer your qu- part two, what was the third part?
0: Oh, it was the crowd, the talent, and then, uh, has the crowd learned to laugh about? So
1: a lot of the expats who live there were the ones who were predominantly coming to shows. So they understand and understood like Western humor and sarcasm. Um, but like a lot of the locals, you know, sarcasm is a new thing for them. So you can't really get into like backhanded comedy because they're like, what, what do you mean? You know, um, So it just needs, it needs some time to grow. Um, but it is like Malaysia has a comedy scene. Hong Kong has a comedy scene. Singapore has a comedy scene. Vietnam has a comedy scene. Uh, I performed in, uh, uh, Jakarta. Uh, was it Jakarta? No, I visited Jakarta and I visited Bali. I performed in Singapore, Tokyo, uh, Hong Kong, mainland China, um, Philippines, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it just needs time to grow. And that's why I wanted to, uh, to come back and just, so. Um,
0: so is that the main reason you came back? Cause it's kind of like, look, I did everything I could do out there. And now it's time to come back to America and maybe you learned a lot out there to bring over here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I made some great connections. I made some great friends. Actually, I made some new fans. I wrote a whole new hour of uh, material about living in Asia. So it was all—it was a win-win overall. I just felt like I kind of hit a wall, and I wanted to just, you know, come back to LA or or New York, come back to the mainland in the U.S. um, Only because, look, if you can make it in New York or LA then you're kind of accepted globally. It doesn't really work the other way around. I mean, yeah. although now it's, now it's kind of shifting a little bit, but if you have that like Hollywood cachet, or if you're on Netflix, or if you have a, a, a deal with a company, you know, whatever, then people put more eyeballs on you, I think. But Over now, and as you know, I was just going to say now, and as you know, social media is kind of gobbling all that up. So you don't even need mainstream media anymore. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you know, people are crushing
0: it that way. You know what I love? I don't know if you know Sam Morell. Yep. Have you heard of yeah, that? Okay. So Sam Morell, yeah, he so basically, you know, nobody picked up a special, just like a lot of comics, you know, you don't, but comedy central did put it out on their platform. And now he just shot another one on his own. And, uh, I, I feel like that could be the new movement of comedy is kind of shooting your own thing, putting it on YouTube take out all the commercials or play the commercials, however you want to play it and you control it. Then you can control your own albums. I mean, there's some yeah. pros and cons and everything, but you know, a lot of comedians are saying, you know, fuck the industry. I'm gonna do it myself. Yeah. Andrew Schultz. Yeah. Andrew Perfect. Schultz is another one.
1: Perfect example of a guy who just said, fuck the industry. I'm going to do it on my own. And I, I mean, I watched that guy grow from hundred thousand followers to a million in like six months. Cause he was just putting out, so much content, and he's funny, um, and he found his audience. You know, uh, Chappelle, perfect example. That guy, uh, you know, he, <clears throat> from what I understand, Netflix bought his already shot specials. Um, I think I think for twenty million each. He had a sixty million dollar deal. He had a really interesting interview with Gail King. I don't know if you saw it or not.
0: She no, asked I him didn't see he- it.
1: Yeah, Gail King interviewed him. This was probably a year and a half ago or so. Uh, If you just go on YouTube and Google Gail King, Dave Chappelle, she said, why do you walk away from $50 million? Everybody said you were crazy. You went to Africa, pop, 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 pop. And he told everybody pretty much what he's telling everybody now in his unforgiven 18-minute IGTV thing is the story of what happened. But then he said, look, uh, it's been 10 years, and – uh, Netflix paid me $60 million for three specials. So let's just say I got an extra 10 million bucks. We'll call it interest. (laughs) Yeah. You know, something like that. He just kind of in his head, rationalized it. Like, Hey, I got a million dollars a year after that. If you look at the whole math of it all Netflix, and this is the power. And I just hate to sidetrack the conversation. No, please do. But, but I, I, you know, I watched Chappelle's unforgiven, um, Interesting to hear, you know, his side of the story, which I'm obviously think is true. And then all the press out there about how, you know, he called Netflix and said, can you guys please take down the Chappelle show? It makes me feel bad. He wasn't like, fuck, you know, Comedy Central. And, you know, he he, I I don't know what the conversation was with him and the head person at Netflix, Ted Sarandis or whoever. But he was probably just super sincere and like, you know, I have PTSD from this shit. You know, I'm making you guys a lot of money. Is there, not that really he said that, but is there any way you can just appease my feelings? And they fucking yanked that shit, bro. I mean, that's unheard of.
0: It is unheard of, but <laughs> but it's also a thing where I, I feel like Dave Chappelle is just the biggest superstar as far as comedy in the game. So I but I go against so I'm actually talking out loud and thinking, well, Comedy Central never pulled it, so they didn't care. You know what I mean? So I I and they're still selling the rights to it. And I wanted to talk about the Dave Chappelle thing too, because you know, I saw Unforgiven and I feel like Dave Chappelle right now, and even his last special, I think it was it was the George Floyd one. Mm -hmm. It's not even about comedy anymore. Uh -uh. It's about commentary. It's about commentary with jokes here and there, but Mm -hmm. mainly to get out a real message. And I really feel, you know, you have to be really good at storytelling to pull that off but i really feel this is the type of comedy that people need at this time sure they don't need ha 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 the whole time make a statement make a point let me know what's really going on and then we'll get to the laughs and i think Dave chappelle like when i last watched his last special the george floyd one i you know it's so funny to hear comics or the industry go oh my god it was so funny and people are asking me I go it wasn't funny at all. It wasn't
1: funny. It, it wasn't <laughs> funny.
0: It wasn't and if you're saying it's hilarious, you missed the point. That that wasn't supposed to be hilarious. That was supposed to be like yo, they choked the motherfucker out and mm-hmm. we watched it on TV. Yeah. And people were posting about it. and if you think about laughing about this, you're missing the point. And it's just it's just the comedy industry, you know it. It's bandwagon jumpers too. Like literally Dave Chappelle could go up and automatically it's the funniest shit ever, but he's not trying to be funny. He's trying Ugh. to make points. And that's when I, you know, I'm on social media like everybody else. And when I see comedy comedians go, Oh my God, it was so hilarious. I go, dude, you're just an ass kisser right now. Cause it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be funny. You dummy. Yeah, so. and, and,
1: well, you know what? It's, it's, it's uh look, I will say this and I'll speak for my own, you know, personal thoughts on it. Um, it's cathartic. It's cathartic to have a voice in the world right now, not just in Hollywood, in the world. Everybody's got their eyeballs on Chappelle. So when he talks, everybody's listening, right? And his commentary on stuff is is healing and cathartic and it's painful. Um, and when you watch it, you know, it's almost like, you know, right on, brother. Somebody's, somebody's speaking out. And, and speaking for us, for people, for, you know, not only just for comics, for just for the people. And I think Chappelle has, has filled that void. Um, and I think he's only going to get better, man. I mean, his point of view, you know, his the inflection in his voice, just his voice in general, you know, his cadence, the resonance in his voice, you know, he's almost like a jazz singer, you know, meets a poet meets a comedian. He's got a lot of different uh you know dimensions going on with him right now. He's out of this world, man. He's by far, you know, arguably the most uh you know interesting guy in the world to listen to right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. He is, you know what they had that commercial, the most interesting man and like Dave yeah. Chappelle is yeah. the most interesting guy in the world. And he's captivating. You know, oh, like man. When you watch them, 18 minutes, that Unforgiven, if anybody hasn't seen Unforgiven, I'm going to put a link to it. If you yeah. haven't seen it, 18 minutes flies when you're listening to Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I've seen some comedians, and I'm sure comedians have seen me on stage, and they're like, wow, 18 minutes seems forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> That's discharged, charged. Right? So, so, you know, but what I love is when I first started comedy, I would say 10 years ago, there's a lot of backstabbing, and it may still be, you know. Uh, but I feel now since podcast is exploding, it's almost like the Avengers. You know, you do have yeah. clicks. I'm not going to lie to you. You do have clicks in podcasting, and it's hard to break into those clicks if you want to get on their podcast. Cool. But. What it does is it sets an environment where people are jumping on, like you jumping on mine. I would jump on you. So the the precedents it set where, hey, yo, we don't have to go against each other. Yeah. You know, we can actually help each other and be on each other's podcasts and make each other better, and you know, just talk it out and learn from each other. So I feel that over the last four or five years, I've seen it go ah backstabbing into oh shit. I, you could help me. I could help you. Oh, now if a brown person gets a role, it's not going against me. It could just open doors to other people. Yeah. Of that skin color. You know, mm-hmm. I, w- I was talking to my wife. She's white. And one thing she noticed to me at the same time this is the first time over the last year I've seen mixed race couples with kids mm. on so many commercials. Usually, oh, yeah. Usually, you remember that serial commercial probably five, six years ago, there was a wife Life? a white, yes, a white wife, yeah. and the black husband was in the other room, <laughs> and people got mad about that
1: no, it's uh, yeah, I mean, well, don't get me started on the whole cancel culture,
0: <laughs> oh man, it's has got.
1: That's a different podcast.
0: Well, you know what? I will say this about cancel culture because I believe here's the thing. Here's the, here's what I fight all the time is cancel culture is a thing where you can, you can go against it. You can go for it. But if you say something that I don't like, you have your freedom of speech, but if I don't like it, you can't cut off my freedom of speech. Not sure. to like it. So exactly. that's where I ride the balance of cancel culture. Yeah, it's, it's fucking a lot of people up right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But if I was to take your right away, because we're just looking at one side. When people go cancel culture, I feel like people are looking at one side like, oh, they're assholes. And they're trying to take, if they don't like it, just don't listen. Mm-hmm. But you said it. You said your thoughts. Now, at least it's a two-way street. You have to give them sure their rights to have opinions. Like... Let's say Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, if there's a reporter on and they say something they don't like, people don't like, people have the right to say, mm-hmm. I don't like that. And to boycott and to call advertise, that's their freedom of speech. Right. So that's why it's so hard for me to balance. Do I think people abuse it? Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those people that abuse it are horrible people. But I also think... <laughs> Man, freedom of speech is a two-way street, but when it's presented, it's only a one-way street. Does that make any sense? What I'm saying?
1: No, hundred percent. And that's the problem. <clears throat> it's you know, you hit it right on the money. It's a double-edged sword. You can you can say something, you can cancel something, you can objectify something, and then and then when the person wants to rebut or give their opinion or agree to disagree, that's where the the friction happens. That's where the where the head bumps start. It's like, well, okay, you said your piece. This is what I think. I just had a discussion with with a uh, <clears throat> a friend, colleague, whatever you want to call it, uh, and you know the conversations were becoming very one sided. Let's just say, and I just turned fifty, so it's almost like you know when women's clocks are ticking, they want to have a baby. It's like a physical, chemical yep. thing going on. I think as a man, how old are you, Mike? I'm
0: 46. I just turned 46.
1: Okay. okay. Oh, happy birthday. All right. So Dang I it. just heard, tu- yeah, when you hit 50 and will c- come back to me in four years, if, if we're still around, <laughs> come back, come back in four years and say, Hey man, you were right. When I hit 50, something chemically in my brain and in my body said no more of any bullshit, like no more tolerance. You're not tolerating people's bullshit. I, I used to have a three strike rule. If somebody fucked me over three times, they're out. If I get fucked over once, you're gone. That's it. You're
0: dead to me. Well, I don't want to talk to
1: you. Because I don't have the bandwidth for it
0: anymore. Also, I feel like, look, I'm only I'm 46. But I feel like the older you go in life, you think about mortality. Yeah. Like, I got kids. So <laughs> so you're like, when I hear people die at like 60, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? That's yeah. only like 14 years away, you know? Yeah. So it's the thing also is like, I may not have much time here. So I'm not going to deal with your bullshit. You know what I mean?
1: And not to mention, and you know, we've been in the business long enough. Our industry, you know, it could be very, and I'm talking personal business, whatever, family, even friendships, but specifically in our industry, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I've, I've, I've crossed enough bridges to know that I don't have to walk across them anymore. And so moving forward my future and like where i want to dictate my path and in 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 my industry is you know to circle back to what we were talking about earlier is just to take charge of my own life and not wait for hollywood to call me not wait for my agents to give me the audition not wait for this comedy club booker to call me back or that person won't rep me or i that that that, that. i've heard there's so many moving parts in our industry and chappelle you know, and Bill Burr, these guys who are arguably, it doesn't matter if they're the biggest comics on the planet right now, they're, they're the hardest working in a sense because they've taken control of their own destiny. Bill Burr always says, you gotta write your own ticket, you gotta write your own movie, write your own special, write your own thing. Chappelle goes and records three specials on his own then sells it, it's like, you just have to be your own producer, your own director, your own businessman, your own agent. Um, when I came back from Asia, I moved to New York city for a couple months, kind of grinding it out there. And then the pandemic hit, uh, in March. And then I pivoted back to LA and I landed in Venice beach where I live now. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Comedy clubs are closed. Like I was booked up until October. All those gigs were wiped out. I was living on unemployment, a little bit of that stimulus, couple residual checks here and there and a little bit of like i literally was like and then i had like three or four failed attempts at trying to do a a comedy initiative in la uh, which failed miserably because i got fucked over by the owner or the venue manager didn't like it or some guy wouldn't sign a contract or just typical bullshit that we deal with and then i i got lucky i landed this outdoor um bungalow villa compound right in the heart of venice beach that fun fact coincidentally harrison ford's kids used to live in Is what i heard and they kind of like ran it into the ground i guess (laughs) and then and it's this cool weird compound. it's a multiplex compound but in the middle outside there's a hundred foot single lane lap pool with a bridge over it. it's real funky and uh and we started doing a comedy night there six weeks ago. And it's just, it blew up, man. It's just like. How many right people there.
0: does it hold? Because I haven't been there yet, but. How yeah. many do-
1: well, I can't wait for you to get back to. LA oh, me too. Night. Um, so just let me know. It, uh, it it probably, so we put 50 distanced seats in there. So it can hold 50 s- distanced, And then there's like this rooftop thing where the owner and his friends sit. So probably like 60. Okay um, maybe maybe 70 if we squeeze but you know we want to practice the, the, the physical Absolutely. Distancing. Um, With if we didn't physical distance we could probably get 150 seats in there. So, but, so so we distance it we require masks. you can't come in without a mask. you can't take your mask off during the show. We don't sell food or liquor um, so you um, you could bring your own food and, and, and drinks but we ask that if you take a bite or a sip, you put your mask right back up, you know? And if you don't, you're asked to leave. We don't, you can't record in there. You know, we we run a tight ship. That's why Bill Burr came back three times. He was like, I love this place. It's fucking great. (laughs) Yeah, why not? No, no, no. I like what you're doing the lap pool. I thought at first it was a little fucking tricky, but you know what, it makes sense because I don't want to be close to them. They don't want to be close to me. You know, his whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's a stupid Bill Burr impression. (laughs) I wasn't going to call you out
0: on it. Bill's I was going to let go, you go with it and say, that's Bill, great. Bill's going to be like, I
1: don't, I don't fucking talk like that, dude.
0: Come <laughs> now, you know, since Bill Burr just did the show and you have great comedians that stop by, what makes to you being in the game so long, Bill Burr so great?
1: Uh, well, first of all, he does. He stays out of comedy politics. He's not. He's like when I was in the, in the early part of our conversation, how some comics are just right down the middle. He doesn't really take sides. I mean, I'm sure there are comics that don't like him, and I'm sure he doesn't like a lot of comics. But he's not opinionated and doesn't voice his, you know, he kind of keeps to himself. Um, you know, his his point of view on life is so, um, I can't even put a word on it. It's 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 very Chappelle. It's very like cathartic because he's he says some of the most crass shit. You know, talk about cancel culture. You know, he talks about feminist and transgender and, and politics. And he made fun of Michelle Obama in his last special on Netflix, Paper Tiger. And he did it brilliantly. And I was like, you know what? If you can make fun of the first lady of the fucking United States. And that's
0: well loved. Now, well people, loved. Made, people make fun of Melania Trump all the time. But that's just a joke and you don't really think about. It, but Michelle Obama is loved.
1: Bro, he, I watched paper, I've watched his special Paper Tiger several times just because it's so unapologetic. And I think that's what makes him one of the great comics is that he's apologetic, but he does it with a smile on his face. You know, when he did his, he, he has a show on Netflix, as you know, called F is for Family, the yep. animated show about his life. He said, the only way I can get my story on TV is if I animate it. No one's gonna, you know, put this garbage on TV. It's gotta be animated. Everyone's gotta love it. You know, kids. It's gotta be a cartoon. You can't get mad at a cartoon. You know, like that kind of. Yeah. And and I and I think his his crassness, his 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 likability. Look, nobody has a, a better like grin and shitty grin smile than Burr. After he tells a joke that he likes, and he starts chuckling to himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When yeah. he does that, then you know, like, all right, this guy doesn't take himself that seriously. But he's smart as fuck, man. I mean, you watch and listen to his comedy, his his commentary on his wife and females and how people act in the world. And it's just so on point. I mean, he's one of the true brilliant minds of comedy. And so, you know, and and um, he's not like, pushy or greedy comic I had I called him up I hadn't talked to him in like probably no joke man 15 years or seen him for that matter I just had his number in my phone and I was like you know what I'm gonna fucking call Bill Burr fuck it you know I had I had like a moment of confidence (laughs) I dialed the number hello I said hey Bill it's I'm mad I'm mad hey I'm mad I said hey man thanks for taking my call what do you mean thanks for taking your call I know only 25 fucking years how you doing you know is this really and then I we had a 20 minute conversation about our lives. And then I said, Hey, I got this room in Venice. Do you want to come run an hour there? We don't, it's 50 seats. It's not a lot of money, but you can work out your hour there in a safe environment. There's a pool in front of you, your distance, everybody's wearing masks. And he was so nice. And he came down. It was like super easy. I've dealt with other comics, <clears throat> you know, who I won't mention who weren't, <laughs> <laughs> who weren't that easy to work with and that polite and professional. And then you ask yourself, wow, how is a guy like Bill Burr, even Chappelle? Man, I-, I don't know Chappelle that well, but I know him well enough to where I've texted him in the past, and he texts me back with the most polite replies. Hey, man, thanks for thinking of me. Salam aleikum. You know, not this time, but next time I'm in town.
0: The know, nicest, the nicest rejection yeah. on a text you will get. No, I can't do your show, but hey, keep crushing. <laughs> yeah, but it's
1: but it's like I've texted comics that don't even have any say in the game. Oh, yeah. And they'll, they'll reply with really shitty responses. Like, oh, that's an insult. Call me when you have more money. Stuff like that. And I'm just like, really? Okay.
0: Well, you know what's funny is I think it goes hand in hand because you know how I started interviewing like celebrities. So I yeah. interviewed Will Smith, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, yeah. all all yeah. these people. And the and the thing, the thing I really notice is the ones that are most successful, Will Smith, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., those dudes, when they walk into a room, they shake everybody's hands yep. before pre-COVID, but yep. wanted to really make everyone in that room feel special. And then when you interviewed them, they were always on. You know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like I've interviewed so many celebrities where it was like <sighs> Another interview, oh. <laughs> you know. You're like, dude, fuck you. This is my job. You know, yeah. I gotta do this. I sure. look. You think I want to be here with you? You know, and this is, <laughs> and this, and this is actors that <clears throat> not even that big. The right. biggest, the superstar actors, Tom Hanks. Honestly, the nicest man in the world. Like, he got that sure. tag. But the biggest problems I had were not with those people at all. Right. It's with the reality stars.
1: Well, the lives yeah. and
0: shit like that. You know, and I'm like, in the scale of that, do you realize your celebrity is going to go away? But like a Will Smith, all these other guys, they're so nice. But, then it, but it goes hand in hand. Like the comedians I meet that are the biggest, Jim Jeffries, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, they're all nice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're all really about talking about comedy sure. and helping people out. If they trust you, because trust yeah. is big. They got to yeah. trust you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think. <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> going back. You got to what the vid, you said,
0: man. You got the COVID. No, man. COVID. COVID doesn't like me. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I like brown skin. I, know, got, if, I got. I got skin.
1: I got tested like six times, and it came back never negative. And I was like, I guess COVID doesn't like Muslims. So, <laughs> so,
0: um, so
1: <laughs> I got the ISIS.
0: You got the ISIS, uh, not the COVID. You got the ISIS. Okay. No, you know. Uh,
1: <laughs> I think it goes back to just like showing humility. Here's the thing, Michael. We're not that important. We're not that cool.
0: 100%.
1: Like, okay, comics provide laughter. Are we considered essential workers? Are we we important in the world? Yes. Are we the most important in the world? I would say no. I would say, you know, doctors, scientists, people that are really the essential workers. Frontline workers right now. Yeah yeah, we're fucking, we're fucking, you know, we're clowns. Like we're not that big of a, most of us didn't graduate from high school. Most of us are, can be assholes. Most of us are self-centered people. Like when I look at comics and when they act, you know, the way they do, it's just like, Hey man, show some humility. You you ain't that important. Be humble. Be glad to just be glad to be here. You know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, and, and, you know, saying that when I'm dealing with like a Bill Burr and I'm dealing with like even guys that aren't like household name famous, you know, like, but, but monster comics, I mean, household name to an extent, but like, <clears throat> you know, some of the most brilliant minds in comedy that are out there right now couldn't be kinder, you know, Alonzo Bowden, Ian Bagg, Um, you know, we've just had so many comics come through a Jimmy Schubert, you know, legends. And so it's, it's nice to, to deal with those, with those cats, you know, Vicky Barbalak. You know, they, they don't have that chip on their shoulder. And I think their star is only going to continue to rise, too. Um, but I think when – when and to wrap up your question about Bill Burr, <clears throat> you know, he's very much please, thank you, and excuse me kind of guy. Yeah. You know, he, has, he has morals, ethics, and values, and that's what makes him successful.
0: You know, it's so funny. I always get – Bill Burr. Cause I've known Joe Rogan for 21 years and I see people getting nervous around Joe Rogan a lot at the comedy store, you know, I mean, just like when he lived in LA, he's just bigger than life at the comedy store, mm. you know? Um, But when I was with Bill Burr, I was at the South beach comedy festival with him and we, he was in the main arena and I was in the smaller one and I saw him walk in the hallway and he goes, yeah, my hey, I know you, you know, you know, but I wanted to be his friend. <laughs> You know, and I, I'm just like, I'm not like, I'm not, I guess he's like a real alpha dude. You know, you would buy his a real alpha dude. I don't really know him, Mm. but I want to be his friend. He's one of those dudes where we both have kids. I want to be his friend, but I don't know what we would, I don't drink. I don't do it. Like I like sports. So I was backstage trying to figure out how to make a conversation with him and that, and I never did because I was like, it's too forced, but it's just a dude I would love to know eventually, but I get so nervous around him. If that yeah. makes any sense. And I don't know why I've interviewed everybody, but Bill Burr, <laughs> I get nervous around, you know, like I, I'm thinking he's going, ah, oh, you're a fucking asshole. You, you know, or like I, this is a true story. He said, uh, hi to me. And I went, uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then he was like, okay, it <laughs> <And> walked up, <laughs> and walked up. Yeah. but that's me he's, around him for some reason. He's look, I don't know him that
1: well. I've known him about 20 plus years, but we've probably had, you know, five minute conversations, little blips yeah. here and there in passing at the comedy store. I never really got to know Bill. Um, I've gotten to know him a little bit because he's been coming into our Venice comedy compound uh, every week. <clears throat> and so, uh, here's what you do have in common. You're both great comics. You're both, uh, husbands. You're both fathers. Um, he loves cigars, which is a, what I didn't know. He sat there at, 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 our compound when the show cleared, he went up on the rooftop with Nate Craig and my sister and a couple people and sat down and smoked a cigar for an hour and just talked shop. Yeah. Um, so you know, yeah, he's a he's a like a, he's a pretty normal dude, you know. Oh, he just 100%. Oh, and the other thing you don't have that you do have in common uh is that he doesn't drink either. okay. So he's not a drinker, you know. Um I think he's really focused on his children right now. I mean, the last show he did with us, he kind of made it sound like yo, I gotta get home, I got the kids. So yeah. I know he's a dedicated father, he's actually passed on a couple shows and we offered him. Cause he's like, not nah, Saturday nights with my kids. Sorry. You know? Yeah. So I like people that make that a priority and, and you know, I'm sure if you got offered 10 million bucks, he'd be like, fuck my kids. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. All right.
0: Well, I got to bounce. What else you got going on?
1: Hey man, um, we're just doing this thing. If you're watching, listening, uh, you can follow me at Ahmed comedy on Instagram. A H M E D. Uh, we do this show every Friday and Saturday night. Uh, it's in Venice Beach, right in the heart of Venice Beach. If you go on my Instagram, um, the link's in my bio, or you can just click uh, Vast Comedy Compound on Eventbrite. And Has- you'll see everybody who's coming through this month and not next month.
0: Has the pandemic cuz i know they're shutting stuff down out there has that affected you yet or ha- are they starting to crack down on your shows
1: yeah i don't know what's going on in vegas and nevada um i'd like to hear that but um here in la today actually yeah or was it yesterday
0: wednesday i yep. think wednesday they start the where you can't wednesday, out-
1: yeah so they so they basically uh you can't all the al fresco restaurants anything outdoors shut down bars restaurants anything outdoors uh, you can only take, uh, get takeout is from what I understand. And then there's a, there's a 10 o'clock, uh, curfew, but in our place, and we certainly don't want to take the coronavirus for granted. So if anybody's yes. watching and they're like, I can't believe you're putting on a comedy show in the middle of a pandemic, here's the score people. Um, it's very distance. It is outdoors. Um, uh, we do require masks. Uh, we take temperatures. Um, we don't serve alcohol. We don't serve food, and it's on a private property. So there you go. There's, you know, if the if the system or somebody wants to, you know, b- blow the whistle on us and you know come see what we're up to, I'm sure if the cops showed up, they'd probably walk in and be like, "What's going on in here? Oh, it's fucking Bill Burr. Hey, you know what? Let's <laughs> fucking right. <laughs> Fuck the neighbors. Whatever." <laughs> But um, yeah, find us on Eventbrite or Instagram at Ahmed Comedy, Venice Comedy Compound. We got a hot lineup this weekend. The Scalar Brothers are performing. Uh, Pete Lee from uh, the Tonight oh, Show. Love him. Uh, then uh, the following coming up, we have Eliza uh, Schlesinger coming in December. Jay Moore. So the hits keep on coming and you need to be oh, yeah, soon, I'll bro. I'll
0: give you a date soon. I just got to, you know, I'm with my family and I'm just trying to stay safe. But I, I will definitely make it out there. I got some stuff I got to do out there before the end of the year. So, so Bill Burr is going on the road. I feel like I'm his like manager. Publicist, yours. (laughs) public.
1: He said he was going on the road for most of December, and when he comes back, that he'd like to come work out, you know, regularly in our space. So maybe I'll give you a heads up and be like, "Yo, yeah, I definitely want to come down. Yeah, come open for him, you know, whatever. He normally he normally takes the whole night, does his own hour, and then he brings his own opening acts. But we we try to throw people on, you know, before that, just to show love.
0: Okay, cool, um, cool, cool. But then, I, but I want to book you for just your
1: own night too. So you. One hundred percent,
0: one hundred percent. All right, Ahmed, man, keep doing your thing. We'll talk soon. And uh, hey, man, I'm happy for you. I'm happy you're uh, doing comedy and uh, making things happen over there.
1: Hey, man, same to you. Good luck on the house. Send my best to uh, the family. Shake, shake your dad's hand for me. Tell him and I mom, will. Brother,
0: I love them. <laughs> I will. All right, man. Have a great one. Peace, okay. Brother. You too. See you, bye. All right.